Good morning, and welcome to the worship services of Pendleton Street Baptist Church. This morning, on this snowy morning, I certainly hope you guys are enjoying the snow and the cool weather and that you're finding a way to stay warm. As I mentioned, this is the worship services of Pendleton Street Baptist Church, Greenville. We typically meet at the Hilton, 45 Orchard Park, Greenville. But this morning, because of the ice and snow, we are gathering via the internet, gathering in our homes. My name is Marty Price. I'm the pastor here. And I'm glad to welcome you to our service this morning, even though I know it's a little, I don't know, dangerous to have a clock over my shoulder so you can track the length of the message. But that's all right. We'll... uh, Try to keep things a little bit more casual, a little bit more succinct this morning, uh, at least as a goal. Uh, Now, my family will be the first to tell you that this is not the first time I've preached a sermon in my home, but it is the first time I've preached a sermon to the congregation from the house, and so if there are any technical difficulties, I'll certainly take the blame. This is uh, me and a laptop, and I'm grateful for the technology that we have that enables us to come together and worship together as a church. Now, as we begin, there's just a few things I want to remind you of. For those of you who are Pendleton Street Baptist Church family, we have a family meeting coming up on February the 6th. It's the first Sunday in February. We'll be on the other side of the Hilton in the Palmetto Ballroom. We'll have child care provided for ages four and under, but the family meeting will be at nine o'clock in the morning from nine till ten. We'll have a family meeting, and then we'll have a half an hour, 10 to 10.30, of fellowship time, coffee, and snacks. And then we'll have our worship service at 10.30 on February the 6th. So there will be no Sunday school, no Christian Life Academy classes that Sunday. Family meeting, fellowship, and worship. And that's February the 6th, so be sure and put that on your calendar. Also, even though we can't gather together in person today to worship uh Giving is a component of worship. It's what we do as believers to express our love, appreciation, and obedience to God. You can give online through the website. And, of course, uh, you can uh, give throughout the month. You can give next week. But I want to make sure that you are reminded that this is not a Sunday off of obedience. It's not a Sunday off of worship. It's just a, a different means, potentially, than you're used to. But we want to be faithful in our worship and every aspect of our worship, which includes our giving Now this morning, uh, we're going to pick up with the sermon series or continue the sermon series that we have been studying. It's from the book of Colossians. Paul wrote a letter to the church at Colossae, and we're taking four weeks just on the first two verses. And where we started with was Paul's introduction. Colossians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the will of God. And the first thing that we looked at is like the apostle Paul We need to have our life on track. We need to allow God to target our life. We need to follow wherever God leads. We need to be obedient to whatever God calls us to do. We need to increasingly glorify God through this calendar year, 2022, by walking in obedience to Him moving forward. So I want us to make sure that we are uh, doing that. I want us to make sure that We have settled the direction, and if you haven't now, it's time to pray. It's time to seek God's face. It's time to seek God's will so that we go where He leads and we withhold nothing. We hold nothing back, and we enjoy the benefits of what it means to have a focus-directed life. When we know the yes, then we know all the no's that accompany it or that would compete with it, and so we want to know the yes. 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus according to the will of God, and our brother Timothy. The second thing we noticed was that we don't travel this journey alone. We always, God allows us to, encourages us to, calls us to partners with others who are heading in the same direction. We walk together. Paul introduces Timothy in this book. We'll see, even this morning, some other people that Paul particularly names. He was always inviting people along with him, but he was always also uh, encouraging them, lifting them up, teaching and instructing, and being a partner with them, walking together as they walked in the same way, following God's leading. This morning, we're going to take the next phrase of that greeting that is found in the book of Colossians. In the introduction, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus according to the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, then verse 2, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. We're going to answer the question, how to increasingly glorify God in the year 2022 and why church matters, why church matters in that goal, in that process. Before we go any further... Let's take a moment to thank God for His blessings upon us, to thank God for it. And when you see me looking that way, I'm looking at my my beautiful yard. Winter, uh, when there's snowfall on the ground, is when my yard looks the best. And so I'm enjoying the beautiful yard that the Lord has blessed us with and this weather, and we have a, a lot to be thankful for. So I would invite you to join me now as we worship God in prayer and thanksgiving. Father, we are grateful. We're grateful for your loving kindness that is better than life. We're grateful for the many expressions of your love to us, that you are loved, that you're holy, that you're just, and that you're pure. We're grateful for the expression of your love for us in the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ, how Christ loved us and came to be born of a virgin, to live and walk in flesh on this earth to live sinlessly, to die, to pay the penalty for our sins by going to the cross and submitting himself to your wrath against sin. By you overcoming death, hell, and the grave, by resurrecting the Lord Jesus Christ, and then by inviting us to be a part of that, calling us, uh, making us your family and your children. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the relationships and the family that we are. And I pray that you will strengthen those things. I thank you for the blessings of brothers and sisters in Christ as we walk in the same way. And I pray that this morning as we look in your word and this morning as we just kind of reflect on a few simple truths that are are clear in scripture and that are kind of emphasized in this greeting, or at least that we're emphasizing through the look at this greeting. I pray, Father, you'll challenge our hearts, that you'll convict, that you will speak to us, that we'll hear the things that you would have us to hear that we will walk in obedience, that we will bring our will in alignment with yours. That's submission, that's confession, that's surrender, that's commitment and resolve, that's yielding to your power as you work within us. And so make that a reality for us today. Father, we love you, and we're grateful. In your name I pray. Amen. So as we increasingly seek to glorify God in our life in the year 2022, we want to answer the question, how? Does the church play a role in this? Now, what do you think of when you think of the church? For some people, they think of friends and family. For some people, they think of leaders or speakers or musicians or pastors when they think of a church. For other people, they think of particular meaning, meaningful uh, 
uh, ministries or relationships that they've been a part of. And I've heard a, a lot of good things about churches from people that I've talked to, and particularly believers. But then there's a converse side to that. A lot of people, when they think about church, they just think the church is no big deal. Or that the church is full of mean people or the church is full of hypocrites. And it is true that a believer out of fellowship with God can be far meaner and far more uh, difficult to get along with than a lost person who owns it and recognizes that they do not have a relationship with God. Again, conviction and discipline does not make you happy until you respond to the conviction and the discipline of God. But even from Christians, I hear people sometimes say, I don't need the church. The church is no big deal. We, we kind of minimize its importance. Uh, we minimize uh, its function and work in the world. But here's the point that Scripture makes repeatedly, both explicitly in texts of the New Testament and by inference or by, by context, God's church matters. And it matters for a number of reasons. It matters, number one, because Christ established the church. He built the church. He is the head of the church. It matters because Christ's commission to believers was given to believers assembled together, was given to the disciples or the apostles, again in Acts chapter 1, and commissioned the church to go and make disciples, to spread the gospel throughout the world. God's church is important to Him, and it should be important to us. God's plan for bringing glory to Himself in the world is through the church. He didn't have a plan B. There's no second part. God's plan for making his name known, God's plan for making disciples is the church. There's not a plan B. Now, there can be organizations that can come alongside of the church. There can be organizations and that, that help strengthen the church, but the church is God's plan. And I know you've heard that a good deal in this church, but as we talk about seeking to increasingly glorify God in 2022, I guess the first thing, and if you're following along, if you have the outline, if you've been able to download the notes, or uh, this is the first thing I would have you write, we need to learn to increasingly love the bride of Christ. Increasingly love the bride of Christ. The church is referred to in the New Testament as the bride of Christ. No more nowhere more clearly than in Ephesians chapter 5. Now, uh, I have done a good bit of premarital counseling, and uh, I, I love seeing the couples that are infatuated with one another and that are in love with one another. I've had the privilege of being a part of, of several weddings and many weddings in, in my ministry, and I get a, a great view. I, I have been blessed to have been married well over 35 years now, a few years over 35 years, probably around 37 to my lovely bride, Suzanne. And by the way, our church has a lot of January birthdays. Yesterday was Ms. Martha's birthday. Several of you have already had birthdays. Several of you have birthdays coming up. Today's a special one for our family. Suzanne's birthday is today. And so we love her. We certainly wish her a happy birthday. Snow on her birthday. What a great blessing. Uh, but uh, I love my bride. I love my wife. I love the wife of my youth, the wife that God has given to me. And I will tell you that as much as we love our wives, gentlemen, wives, as much as you love your spouses, we need to recognize that Christ loves the church. As a matter of fact, He loves the church far more perfectly, far more completely, far more consistently, far more selflessly, far more 
in every way than you and I could ever have love for the spouse that God has given us here on earth. He is the perfect groom, and the church is his bride. In Ephesians chapter 5, and when I mention that, a lot of people start rolling their eyes and say, oh yeah, this is husbands and wives, and wives submit to your husbands, and husbands love your wife. But again, the context of Ephesians chapter 5, he is teaching about husbands and wives, but he's teaching predominantly about Christ and his church. As a matter of fact, in verse 32 of Ephesians chapter 5, he says, this is a mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and his church. But if you go back up to verse 25 of Ephesians 5, Paul writing says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In verse 32, again, this mystery is profound. I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So here's the point. Jesus loves his bride. Jesus loves the church. How much does he love the church? Here's an example. And the clear statement here is that he gave himself up for her. How did Jesus do that? He did that in the incarnation. Philippians chapter 2, the kenosis, the emptying of himself, the humbling of himself. Hebrews chapter 2, that he took on flesh. He had to be a, a, a human because it's humans that he came to save. He was born of a virgin. He humbled himself. He gave himself for her. He gave himself for her in his perfect life, tempted in every manner as we are, yet without sin. He gave himself up for her on the cross, his blood shed to pay the penalty for her, for our sins. He gave himself up for it. We see that again in Gethsemane where he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done in preparation to go to the cross. We see it again in John 17 in his high priestly prayer where he's praying and he's talking to God about he had surrendered himself for the glory of God and for the good of the church for the good of his people. We are so quick to talk to people about how much we love Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus totally and completely. I'm following after Jesus. And then we turn around and we disrespect the bride that he loves, the bride that he gave himself up for. We need to recognize this. This is, I think, uh, as a pastor, I think as a, as a, a church member, as a, a PK, the son of a pastor, as somebody who's been involved in church life and denominational life for all of my life, I think that there are so many times that I and that we as a church underestimate and devalue the theology of what it means to be a church, of what it means to be the bride of Christ, of what it means to be God's chosen people, of what it means even to gather together as a body uh, and to be the local congregation. First John tells us so often that if we profess our love for God, if we profess our love for Jesus Christ, but we don't love one another, we don't love one another as a family of faith, and we don't love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, uh, then, then, then we're lying. We don't do the truth. When you love Christ, you love what Christ loved, and you love his church. And that's why Paul is writing to the church at Colossians, Colossae in the first place. He's writing because he loves him. Now, he's not been there yet. Epaphras probably was the church planter at Colossae. Epaphras had probably gotten saved at Paul's ministry at Ephesus. 
Uh, in chapter 2, you find that Paul hadn't been there yet to see them face to face. He's on the way. But Epaphras comes some years later to Paul about some concerns that this church is, he's having with this church because of some false teaching and doctrine that's coming in. Paul writes in response to that. Uh, Paul, Paul is responding to this church. He is loving them by investing his gifts, his ministry, his calling into this local congregation. And I will tell you that when we talk about increasingly love the church, first of all, we need to recognize we should love the church because Christ loves the church and gives himself up for We should love the church because God calls us to love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. But another, I guess, indicator of loving the church is that God gives us gifts. God gives us talents and abilities, manifestations of His Holy Spirit that we are called and commissioned to use, gives us gifts to use for the benefit of the body, for the common good. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. After he talks about being filled with the Spirit and after he talks, and while he's talking about the different gifts and spiritual gifts, abilities, manifestations of the Spirit that God gives us, he says this is to be used... For your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is to be used for the common good. And not everybody has the same gift. Not everybody has the same expression of gifts. But all of us come together united making up one body in Christ. This is what it means to increasingly love the church. Is to increasingly love the church as Christ loved her. To increasingly love the church as he has equipped us by working for her benefit. Back to Ephesians 5. What does Paul say? How does he describe the love Jesus has for the church? He has sanctified her, but he is sanctifying her that he may present her to himself holy and spotless and pure. We are to be used by God for the benefit, for the maturation, if you will, for the holiness of the church. Now, if you just look at this greeting, this greeting in Colossians, he says, To the saints and faithful faithful brothers, so we've got brothers, the church, the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Saints and faithful brothers. Must be a good church, right? <laughs> I mean, they're called saints. They're called faithful brothers. And when you look at the emphasis of those words and how emphatic they are in the text, when you look at just the definitions of what it means to be a saint, hagios in the Greek, set apart, sanctified, holy, Faithful, filled with faith, those who are staying true to the task, those whose faith is strong. Wow, this must be a great church. And yet, Paul's writing because there's a threat to their theology. There's some false teaching that's entered the church. Paul has does Paul's able to maintain something that I think is is so very valuable and something that we need to grasp and understand because sometimes when we think about the church we think about the people we don't like or the people we can't get along with we're like Euodia and Synecdoche uh, there are conflicts, there are difficulties and we think, well Paul must have rose-colored glasses on he's calling these saints and faithful but then he goes on to address their problems well, neither Paul nor Jesus have blinders on when it comes to the church if you look at Revelation chapter 3 uh, chapters 2 and 3, you see that there's, there are no blinders on. Jesus, of course, knows the weaknesses and the failings in, in, in his people, in his congregations, in his churches. Uh, the Apostle Paul invested his life in planting these churches growing up. He was, he, most of his letters are what are called occasioned epistles. They're letters written in response to a problem or in response to an issue. They have, there's an occasion, there's a reason 
why they were written. As a matter of fact, let's just look at his greeting to 1 Corinthians. I don't know of any church in the New Testament that is more clearly depicted as dysfunctional. In almost every chapter, you have a new problem. In almost every, every it just increasingly almost seems to get worse. You've got cliques. Uh, you've got uh, immaturity. You've got infighting. You've got lawsuits. You've got uh, sexual immorality. I mean, it's just kind of one thing. Even the way they were partaking in the Lord's Supper, selfishness, divisiveness in the body. This is a church that had a lot of issues. This would be a church that it might be difficult or challenging to love. And yet, how does Paul start his letter, the first letter, to the church at Corinth? Here's how he starts it. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. So he's, again, Paul called to be an apostle by the will of God, an apostle of Christ Jesus, and our brother Sosthenes. Very similar to how he introduces or how he starts his letter to the church at Colossae. I'm doing what God's called me to do by the will of God. This is the target he's got on my life. This time he's, I'm here with my brother Sosthenes rather than Timothy. But listen to him verse 2. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. This word sanctified is the same word as holy. It's hagios. This is a participle as opposed to a noun. This is a participle. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus. He's calling them holy in Christ Jesus. But keep going. Called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, we are holy, we are sanctified in Christ Jesus, but yet we are called to be saints, called to be holy. By the way, same word, hagios, this is an adjective. We are called to become what we have already become in Christ Jesus. Now let me just talk you through this if I can. I think this is so important for us. A lot of times we aren't as close to the people of God, we aren't as close to the church of God, we aren't as committed to the local body of Christ that we should be in order to glorify God with our life, in order to increasingly glorify God with our life. We've not fallen in love with the church as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her in order to sanctify her. We have gifts and abilities and talents, and yet we're not using them in the church. We're not allowing God to use them to sanctify, to mature, to be a blessing, to encourage, to speak truth in the life of others. As we should, and sometimes it's just because it's hard to get along with folks. It's hard to get along with people who are petty, who are immature, who are young in Christ, who have not yet reached a a standard of maturity that we would hope that they reach. And yet God calls us to love the body and to invest in the body in order to help the body mature, in order to help the body grow. And it means loving the unlovely. It means what Paul calls in Romans 12 uh, to... To let your love be without hypocrisy or dissimulation. It means to honor one another above yourself. Philippians chapter 2. It means to be humble and not prideful. It means not to look down on others. And not certainly to exalt others where they should not be. But to unite our hearts together as we live together. As we use these talents and gifts together. And so while the first point is we need to increasingly love the body of Christ. The second, second point on your outline, if, again, if you are, are taking notes, and I would encourage you to do so, is that we uh, try to see the church 
as Christ sees her. See the church as Christ sees her. Because what is the clarifying phrase? What is the participle? Uh, what is the phrase that modifies holy? Both in Colossians, you see it in other epistles, but we just looked at uh, Corinth. Holy, sanctified in Christ Jesus. Here's, here's an important truth that we need to grasp positionally in our relationship with God, supernaturally, the way that God does things. I am born separated from God by sin, by, by the sin of Adam that is imputed to me by my own choices and my own willfulness and my own sinfulness. My sins have separated between me and God, and He is holy and I am not. And as a holy God, He can't just pretend sin or rebellion doesn't exist. He's got to address it. He's got to be just in His expression of, of His life, His being in our lives on the earth. And so I'm separated from Him, and there's got to be a way that we can get together. At least I hope there's a way that we can get together. He wants to come to me, and so He calls me and convicts me, but He has provided a way through the Lord Jesus Christ. His incarnation, we talked about, He gave Himself up for her, the church. His perfect life, all the things that I can't do, He has done, and He's done it perfectly. His death on the cross, He paid a debt I could not pay. He didn't owe it, but because He loved me, but now God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He paid the penalty for my sin while I was an enemy, ungodly, opposed to Him and fighting against Him. He loved me and died for me. And when He wakes me up by His Holy Spirit and He convicts me of sin and righteousness and judgment, when He calls me to Christ, when He, when he washes me and I re- respond in repentance and faith and I, I yield my life to Him, then He makes me new. And the picture here is that I am placed in Christ Jesus. I am placed in Christ Jesus. Now, obviously, God knows everything and He knows everything perfectly. He knows the deceitfulness of my own heart. He knows uh, myself far better than I could ever know me. I can deceive myself pretty quickly. He knows everything there is to know about me. But in His economy, if you will, when I get saved... God places me into Christ Jesus. And when He looks at me forensically, when He looks at me from the standpoint of holiness and justice, He sees not my righteousness. He sees Christ's righteousness. He doesn't see my unrighteousness because Christ has taken that away at the cross and that debt has been paid. That penalty has been completed. I have been washed. And now I am robed, Galatians, Paul says, I am robed in the righteousness of Christ. You remember 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the very last passage of Scripture, the last couple of verses in that passage. Paul writes and he says, But now hath God made him who knew no sin to be sin. Why? Finish the verse. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. As brothers and sisters in Christ, as a local congregation, believers gathered together, we have been placed in Christ, and we are holy in Christ Jesus. And so we need to try to consistently, I know it's going to be hard, but you can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to try to consistently see the church as Christ sees it. I told you that I've done a number of weddings I get the best view, frankly, at a wedding. I'm at the front, i got the groom, I've got the bride, we're... 
Actually, I've got the groom standing here and the groomsmen lined up beside him. There's the typically the maid or matron of honor and, and the uh, bridesmaids lined up here. And then all of a sudden the music changes in the service. The doors fling open and there's the bride. And I love watching the groom's face and seeing how he responds to seeing his bride as she comes in. Typically, traditionally, this doesn't always hold true, but typically the groom has not been permitted to lay eyes on the bride that day. The first time he sees her that day is when she's wearing that $15,000 dress or she's all dressed up, she's all made up, her hair is all done up. She has been preparing for this day and she's preparing all day for this time of day, for this event. And all of a sudden the groom sees her and he sees her for the first time just like that. And here she comes, walking down the aisle. And the look on his face, I mean, the, the awe and the wonder and just the, the love. I've seen many break down and cry at that point. I've seen some wipe tears from their faces. I've seen some just their draw job. Now, here's the thing I want to point out. He knows what she looks like. He's seen her before. He has seen her, I guarantee you, look worse than that before. But he sees her on that day in a new and different way. And part of that is simply that she has been dressed and made up. She is presenting herself. When we see the church of God, a lot of times we see her when she's not at her best. We see her when she's grumpy, when she's immature. We see her when she's not at her best. But we need to learn to view the church of God as a groom views the bride when she's coming down the aisle for a wedding. And you can through the power of the Holy Spirit. So learn to increasingly love the bride of Christ. Try, surrender, ask God to give you clarity and understanding of His church from His perspective to see the bride as Christ sees it. And the last thing, I'll do this really quick, is he writes to the church at Colossae. Too many of us have a hard time locking in to one congregation. And so I want to encourage you, and I would say that at Pendleton Street, we have a great history of people who God plants in the congregation, and they remain. And they invest their time and energy and talents through the congregation for the edification of saints and, and believers. And I'm grateful that they do so. i got to tell you, Suzanne and I have a very strong conviction. We prayed and asked God years ago to take us to a congregation in a city and leave us there. Let us plant our lives in a congregation in a city to reach that city with the gospel. We are convinced, and time has demonstrated, and God has affirmed that Pendleton Street Baptist Church is this congregation. That God has called us here for such a time as this. That we're here to equip the saints to love one another, to increasingly be used by God for His glory. This year, and in every year, but picking up where we are and intentionally moving forward in this year. And I want to tell you that if you're one of those people who tend to jump from church to church to church to church, you're wasting multiple opportunities. That, unless it's a specific calling like the Apostle Paul's, but even then he focused on one church at a time for a given period of time. So I don't mean somebody who's a consumer just flitting out. But if you are investing in a life of a church, I've got a friend right now who's leaving D.C. and going to Tennessee to invest his life in a, in a revitalization project at a local church, helping a church to get connected again to the power of glory and glory of God and to grow and become strong. And he will do that for a while, and then he'll probably go to another congregation. It's God's calling on his life. But that's different than somebody who just tries this church for a while and then goes and tries that church for a while, and then we'll go here until somebody makes me mad, and then I'll go somewhere else and, 
and carry all that with me. We need to make sure that we have some clarity allowing God to lead you to a congregation. But now hath God, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, but now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it pleases Him. So not only all the different parts of the body coming together, but every part that's supposed to be there. So find the body that God is placing you in and jump in. Fully engage. Enjoy the benefit of a focused life and allow God to love that body through you with its immaturity, with its difficulties, with its challenges. Allow God to love and mature that body and accomplish the mission that God's given that body through the gifts that He has given to you. God is so good. I think of many of you, I think of, again, life over the last several years as we have been worshiping at the Hilton and all that it takes to take place to to make that happen as it should. Your investment of time and energy and effort. I think of the the teaching that takes place and the counseling that takes place and the ministry that takes place, both the children and adults. And and while I think we have made excellent start and I think we're making excellent headway, I I can't wait to see what God's going to do in and through us this year for His glory. And the only way that will come to fruition completely is when every part of the body is working together in harmony. And so I I certainly am excited to see what God does as we make that commitment, as we surrender our lives together. Listen, guys, get your life on target. Know where God's leading you to go. We do. We know where God's leading us as a congregation. We know the mission and the vision. We are called to give glory to God consistently by making mature disciples of all nations, starting in the West and the Greenville. We we know the different expressions of ministry. There's some things that we know. We allow God to lead us and direct our paths day by day as He navigates our lives. We withhold nothing from Him. We're not going along. Find people to work with you in those areas together. And then as a congregation, we increasingly love Christ by increasingly loving His body and giving ourselves for her benefit as she accomplishes her mission moving forward and that's where we're going to pick up next week we'll pick up next week with the phrase grace and peace how do we become used by god to be conveyors of grace and peace in a world so desperately in need of it well i hope you enjoy the snow hope you enjoy time together with your family i hope that you'll reflect on the reality that church matters even when we can't gather together in a room folks church matters. We are God's plan for bringing glory to himself. We are God's plan for making disciples of all nations. We are God's plan for strengthening and building up one another as we bring glory to the cause of Christ. I hope you have a great day. I'm going to close us with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the example of Paul. Thank you for the the understanding biblically of your deep love for the church. Thank you for the emphasis in your word on local congregations. You unite Christians together, ecclesia, assembled people together to live life together, to invest our lives into one another. And Father, I pray that we will increasingly love your church. I pray, Father, that we will also pursue whatever is necessary so that we might see the church as you see it. It's so easy to see 
the foibles, the, the mistakes, the errors, the immaturity, the, 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 the wrinkles and warts, if you will, of your bride. But I pray, Father, that you'll give us spiritual eyes, that, you can, that we can see the church, what it means to be in Christ, to see the bride of Christ as you see it, as a worthy investment of our life, as a worthy investment of our time so that you might be glorified in us and glorified through us. And help us to, to find a connection. If, if there's anyone who has not, that you'll lead them to a specific congregation. And that's the, 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 where we're coming down to, that we, you will connect us to a specific congregation, to a, a local body of Christ, that we can invest our lives in a local body of Christ. And I pray, Father, I pray, as I so often pray, that you will bring people to Pendleton Street Baptist Church that you will bring people to us who are believers, who already know you and have maturity to invest their lives in us. But also, Father, that you will bring people to us and bring us to people who don't know you, who we can share the glorious good news of the gospel, who we can see you save them and, and transform them and make them you and then join them to this body. Father, we want to be all that you would have us to be. Make that a reality for us, please. We love you. We're grateful. We're grateful for this day. We're grateful for uh, the blessing that you have bestowed upon us in the weather and in what it means to be a part of this family of faith. So, Father, we love you. In your name I pray. Amen. Folks, I hope you have a great day. I look forward to seeing you next Sunday at the Hilton Hotel, 45 Orchard Park in Greenville, South Carolina.